This is Allie Henney, and you're listening to Combing the Roots, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. Who am I? Why do I have a podcast? And why should you keep listening to it? The answer to these and many more questions coming up. Stay tuned. Hey, I am so happy that you're listening to Combing the Roots. It blows my mind that people would download a podcast of me talking about things and would want to listen to it. And even hearing, like reading that the title is The Secret Origins of Allie Henney, that you would even care enough about who I am and knowing more about me that you would download this and listen to this. I am so excited to be on this journey with you. Um, maybe you're coming from my Facebook page. Maybe you're somebody who has been following my Facebook page for a while. I have a page on Facebook, a writer's page that has over 20,000 followers. And so I know that a lot of you who are listening to this probably are from that audience. And so I want to thank you for supporting my work and for listening to me and for downloading this podcast. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away that you would even do that. And, and I thank you so much for, for being here. And then some of you guys maybe have come from Instagram. Um, A lot of people will post stuff from my Facebook feed and from my Twitter feed onto Instagram. And then I also post my own pictures and memes and, and different screenshots of different things or whatever. And so I do have a following there and people like my stuff. And maybe you are coming to this podcast because you've heard about it on Instagram. Or maybe you're coming from Twitter and you um, have seen me on Twitter and you've seen my hot mess of a Twitter feed and you've said, hey, I want to rock with her. And so you're here, you've heard about the podcast. And so you said, okay, I'm here, I'm coming in, I'm, I'm listening to it. Um, I don't know, maybe you've heard about my podcast from other friends, from other people who follow me, from other on other channels, from, from, from hearing other people promote my podcast. And I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for listening to this. Um, you know, my friends and family who, who know me, people who know me in real life, if you're listening to this, awesome. I'm so glad that you're out here. And really, that group of people, friends, family, people who e-know me, people who are my friends on, on Facebook and stuff and have, and have known me through the internet and stuff for years. Y'all, I'm I'm here. I'm doing this because y'all saw fit to support me in the early days and in uh, sharing my my posts on Facebook, in in retweeting my stuff. Um, I wouldn't be here. So so that those friends, families, uh, colleagues from school wouldn't wouldn't be here without this. And I don't take that lightly. But you're not here to kind of hear in a big Academy Awards speech. You're here because you want to know my business, and I know that you want to know my business because you are listening to a podcast that has the title of The Secret Origins of Allie Henney. And I kind of feel like that this podcast, that this that this particular episode is kind of this almost joke in a way. Um, my producer came up with this with this title. We were we were just joking around, passing around ideas and stuff. And so he like typed this out on on the screen that we that, that we were working from. And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess we could do that. That sounds that sounds really cool. It sounds way more cool and way more polished than what I really am. So I feel like it's just this big joke because the secret origins, first of all, I don't have any secret origins. Like I'm not like, I'm just not that interesting of a person at all. And it, I feel like that people are always like, oh, you're, you're so interesting. Oh, you do so many things. Oh, you're and like, y'all, what you see on social media, like I'm not somebody I'm like, I'm legitimately like on social media, I'm legitimately who I am. 
I don't walk around faking the funk. Like, I, I, I hate that. When people walk around faking the funk, acting like they're something that they're not, like, I hate that. So what you see is, like, legitimately, like, like who I am and it's legitimately the things that I'm doing. But I am so uninteresting. Like, because, I, because I mean, I, I do post, I guess if you're, if you're friends with me on, on my, on my personal Facebook page, um, a lot of that, I, I do post, you can follow me if you're, if you can follow me, but I, I do a lot of, a lot more of my posts and stuff are, are private and stuff now. But if you're somebody who knows me from, from there, I post mundane stuff like all the time because I, because I feel like the people always post, you know, their, their best. And I'm like, and I post just, you know, random stuff that happens to me and random things that, that I think, but I am such an uninteresting person that it's that it just seems weird that I would have this whole time that I'm going to sit here and talk about myself and tell you about myself. But you're here because you want to know my business. So I guess I'm gonna tell you a little bit of my business. So I am a wife and a mother of two, a wife, comma, and a mother of two. I mean, I don't know. I don't mother of two. I guess that you don't you wouldn't put a comma there. But you get the picture is that I am a wife. I'm married to one man. And a mother of two is in my mother. I, I, I have two children. Because um, I feel like saying like, I'm a wife and mother of two is like, oh, you mean that like, you're a wife to two people? It's like, no, I'm not. I'm not that. that that's that's not me. That's a, di- that's a different podcast. But anyway, in case you haven't been able to hear in like the last you know, 45 seconds to a minute, I am also really goofy and the people who love me love me and they put up with my goofiness because I tend to say things and sometimes and what's weird is that like I like don't try to be funny but people think that I'm funny and I don't understand that because I'm like I'll say stuff like my mom my mom is like the worst about this she's like oh you're so funny and I'm just like oh you're so cute and I'm like mom I wasn't being funny like I like I like I'm being serious about this but I don't I don't know so maybe you'll see the same qualities in in me as my family and friends and stuff do and I hope that you do because I, I have some pretty good friends and some pretty good family that, have, that that stick around and that want to be around me so I guess I'm not too bad of a person but I am a very boring person I'm very introverted and a lot of people are often surprised to hear that and especially people that, that that kind of know me and interact with me in real life um is that I am very introverted and not only being very introverted I'm actually very 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 painfully shy um like painfully 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 shy um but i grew up in a family of introvert or of extroverts rather my mom is very much an extrovert and i grew up in a family that's very boisterous and all except for maybe you know one or two people in my family are 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 extroverts and so growing up around extroverts i can approximate extroversion and um if you're into myers-briggs my myers-briggs type is infj i'm an infj and yeah, that's that that pretty much that might tell you if you know about Myers-Briggs, that probably tells you everything that you need to know about me. Um, but I'm very introverted. So I feel like besides the stuff that I do on social media, that's like the, my life because I don't go anywhere and I don't do anything except for post on social media. And then now that I'm in school, I read books and I watch TV shows and I tend to watch the same TV shows over and over again and that is that I've been married for about 14 years and that's like one my husband and I have an awesome marriage but that is probably the one point of contention in our marriage is that I will watch the same shows over and over again and so sometimes like he'll want to watch tv with me like that's that's something that we can kind of do together 
while I'm, especially you know, in school, like while I'm studying and stuff, that's something I can, I can, I can have a TV show on and we can spend time together and I can also be studying. And so I kind of like to multitask in that respect, but I'm very picky about what's on the TV because I, if it's a new show, if it's something that I've never seen before, then I get distracted by it. And so I want to watch shows that we've, that we've watched before. And my husband just, he picks on me anyway, because for like the first, how many ever, months. I mean, it was, it was well over a year, if I'm honest with myself. It was well over a year of my of um my pregnancy with my oldest and then through like really okay, I guess this this probably was gosh, would have been a year or two years. I don't even remember. It was a lot of time that I watched Downton Abbey over and over and over again on repeat. And he was just like yeah, he, he would come home from work and he's like, you're still watching Downton Abbey. I'm like, yes, I'm watching Downton Abbey. And we go to bed and Downton Abbey would be on the TV and he's like, you're still watching Downton Abbey. And I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm watching Downton Abbey because that's what I do. And so then I switched from Downton Abbey to the West Wing. And so now I watch the West Wing pretty much on repeat all the time. Occasionally I've, I've thrown the Golden Girls in there um, in the last a few weeks. And I do have a few other shows that I, that I watch, but I don't have a lot of time to watch TV. So to, to actually watch new shows on TV, don't have a lot of time for that. And so I, I like the comfort of knowing what's going to happen and kind of having the drone of something that is predictable and I know that it, I know it's going to happen and so I'm not going to get distracted and get enthralled by it and get distracted and, and sabotage myself from my schoolwork. So I that's what I do is is watch TV and I don't have the TV on a whole lot even um, but I watch TV and go to school and post on social media and that's pretty much my life but you're here to know a little bit more about me than that I, I guess I, I suppose you probably want to know more about me and so I will get into more of my personal life get more into more of my business after the break of Ali Henny, which if you were listening at all during the last section, you, re- you realize just how much of a farce that is. I am totally uninteresting as a person, but I'm here and I'm telling you about myself. And I think that it's so important that whenever you listen to a podcast that you are able to kind of get these windows into people's lives, because it's really easy to just kind of listen to something and kind of listening to something that's on a topic, but not really get to know the person. And I think that especially, you know, I'm on social media a lot. And there's this aspect where it's like, you, you know me, you see me, you you, you hear my voice in, in a way, but you don't really get to know me. And so I'm here just kind of sharing about myself and sharing my origins, which are not secret at all. And they're not really, I feel like that saying that they're secret, that somehow like it's interesting it's not really a secret, nor is it really interesting. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So I grew up in rural Missouri. I grew up in a town that is that way barely, I think, hit 10,000 whenever I was in high school. But it was between eight and 10,000 people. So it was um, very small. And it was a very white context. Um, it, where I grew up is crest noticeably white. Um, it is more than probably 95% white. It's, it's very white. But even within that, there was a black community. And there was a black church that my family attended. And I grew up in my family that I grew up in a black home, grew up with black extended family, grew up engaging with the world through a black lens, which has been very valuable for me because 
even growing up in a context that is so white, it's possible for people to grow up in, sometimes whenever you have these contexts that are extremely white, it can be very hard sometimes for minorities to really be able to view the world through their minority lens because white normativity is just like, like the way that the whiteness works is that it can kind of dominate and predominate everything. But I was very fortunate in that my mom was very invested in making sure that I that I knew about my history and then my family being in my family and having a, and having a big family and being in touch with my culture that was something that's always has been very nourishing to me being um, involved with the black church being connected with with black churches in my lifetime that's something that I realized now I didn't really appreciate it when I was younger but as I as I've gotten older I realized the value in that and it's something that I'm so that I'm so thankful for because it really grounded me in my blackness. So I grew up grounded in my blackness, but then in a sea of whiteness. And so I, like I said, in this town was, you know, way over 90% white. And so most of the time I was in a context where I was the only one. And so the weird thing about white normativity is that the weird thing about being a minority where you're in it, where you're a super minority, not just like a minority, like, cause I mean, you know, numerically, at least up until like 2040 or 2050, people of color are a minority. And so we're, we're numerically a small, a smaller population and black people are even um, numerically smaller than, than some other, uh, some other populations. And so being a, a numerical minority is one thing in, in kind of a grand scheme of things, but whenever that is enacted, whenever you're in a context that there is like very few people, there are very few people who look like you, and there's not a, and there is a community. I mean, because I because I had a community, but it just wasn't. It, it wasn't like because of growing up in a, in a rural town, it wasn't like I went to a school that was like the black school. The school that I went to, everybody went to because it was a small town. So it wasn't like oh, I live in the black part of town. Because yeah, there was a black part of town that that there definitely was you know some neighborhoods or some streets and stuff that were that were black parts of town. But it wasn't like oh, I live in the black part of town and I go to the black school and I go to the black high school. I feel like that that, that that's what happens a lot in urban contexts, but in a rural context, it's everybody together and it's everybody kind of having to learn how to live together. And usually, what learning how to live together means is that minorities assimilate. And so to be in a context where I didn't feel like I had to assimilate. Um, where I where I was rooted and grounded in who I am as a, as a black person, I'm I'm so thankful for that because I don't know I won't say I won't call it rare because I don't think I'm a unicorn, but it's something that I'm very thankful for as I've encountered more people who have come up in contexts similar to me that don't have that 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 didn't have that that their family was very much invested in assimilation and I'm happy that my family wasn't invested in assimilation and so that that's something that's that was that was very very beneficial to me I think and so. I always kind of had this weird understanding of reality that I'm a black person and I'm carrying my blackness into this space. I learned from a very young age of how to code switch and like literally like how how to code switch. So where you know I would my mom my mom who's a speech pathologist says that that no we do not speak African American vernacular English but speaking I guess the regional dialect and slang that I grew up with and and not true African American English whatever whatever it was that I grew up speaking however it was that I grew up talking um realizing that there that there were certain things that like there are things that I, that I could say a turn a turn of phrase that that people that that the white people wouldn't understand so I had to learn how to to communicate um so I had to learn how to communicate differently 
and I learned how to kind of navigate even with with racial things. I learned very early that there are certain things that you can say because people would get offended because it mean white fragility. And so I learned about white fragility at an early age. I just learned all of these things about the world and just was very aware of how that world was. And so as I grew and I went to a college that was um, also predominantly white in a predominantly white city, and it was predominantly white, but there was a little bit more, a little bit more diversity because there were um, people from some of the larger cities that that came into this to this university. Um, so being around a lot more black people, and even we had a very large international student population. So being able to be around students of color, other students of color, was was great um, because I had a, I had a lot of different friends who were not only not only black, but even from different parts of the world. Or I would have friends who were um, exchange or an inter- exchange students, international students from other parts of the world, and so that was a really enriching experience. That was a really in- enriching experience for me. But I learned how to navigate and I learned how to code switch. And so I have found myself, even though I'm somebody that I'm rooted in my blackness, I I found myself in these contexts often where I, where I have had to code switch and I've had to learn how to carry my blackness. And, and some people, you know, there's, there's a thing about, you know, like code switching, like, well, you know, is that respectability politics, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. And that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other broadcast. Um, I, I realize I find myself code switching less now. Um, because, you know, for me, Code switching wasn't a choice of respectability. It was a matter of survival and success and, and being able to, to survive and being able to, to achieve and thrive in, in my situations. And I understand, you know, people who are like, well, I'm not code switching. Like, I'm just whatever you got. And, and I get that. And that's probably something that maybe I need to unpack on a different, on a different podcast because it's, there's so much even, even to that. But all of that to say that as I've, as I've learned and as I've grown and as I've interacted with the world, I've always been acutely aware of race and acutely aware of the implications of race. I've always been acutely aware of racism and and experiencing things differently because of of my race. And I there's so many stories that I could tell that I won't go into. But growing up in that rural context definitely affected me. Um, it definitely shaped who I am. And I'm not saying that, that it affected me for the better or for the worse. It just is what it is. And so it shaped my, my worldview. It shaped my outlook in a lot of ways. And I'm even able to go back and think about some of that experience and think about who I am and how that experience shaped me. And I think that perhaps it even informs my, my race work a little bit because I understand white culture in a way I've had access to white culture in a way not just because of being married to a white person but because of being a super minority in spaces I've had access to white culture that a lot of minorities don't get and they don't get it because of segregation they don't get it because because black people sure the city is diverse but all the black people are shoved off into a certain area of the city they end up all in the same middle schools and and high schools and elementary schools. And even though it's still having to navigate the majority culture and learning how to navigate the majority culture um, is even learning how to do that in some ways, I think in, in more of a cocoon of, of blackness as opposed to just being out there and being the only, the only one. And I don't say that to pit the experiences against one another, because that's not what it is. This ain't the oppression Olympics. It's just, it's just the truth of the matter. And so I think that where I started in a lot of my race, 
race work was a lot of what what people call bridge building is that I, I noticed, yeah, there are these divides here and these divides, some of these divides exist because we don't understand one another's culture or even better stated but white people don't understand black people's culture. White people don't understand that black people have cultural differences. Um, so I really shouldn't say we don't understand one another's cultures. That's really not true. It's more so the dominant culture refusing to acknowledge or understand that there are other cultures that are present within the United States. And so I feel like that a lot of tensions really even pre 2014, um, pre Ferguson, pre all that, that, that some of the tensions that existed exist because it's like, yeah, like, so whenever I say that, like some of those tensions that, that existed, I think of just some of the, the cultural things of like, well, why don't, why do you talk this way? Why can't you, why do you listen to this kind of music? Why do you wear your clothes that way? That type of stuff, that kind of just, just ignorance, I guess is maybe what I should say. There's some of it, because I mean, racism has always been a thing, but, but the ignorance is ignorance of cultural differences. And so I kind of started my, my race work and I say work, it wasn't really work. I wasn't really concertedly doing anything. I was just, I would notice that there would be tensions that would arise about certain things. Like, you know, Paula Dean would say, Paula Dean, we you found out, you know, she said she was racist and said a whole bunch of stuff. And just pointing out like, yo, this is culturally insensitive. Like, yo, this is like, this is racist. Like, this is, this is why this is a thing. This is, this is why people are mad about that. Because clearly you don't understand why people don't want to see a person like beating up an effigy of Barack Obama. Like, we have to explain why that would be wrong for that to be um, done at the Missouri State Fair or something. Like, it was something to, of that nature happened at the Missouri State Fair. And it was really like, wow, you guys really don't get why that's a problem. And so sort of being that person that sort of was like explaining to explaining about black people to white people. And my work has shifted. And I, and I do think that there's that there's a level of kind of, you know, being like, like blackish and explaining blackness to white people because white people don't get it. But I realized that like white people don't want to get it. And white people, a lot of white people just want to be racist and they just want to say and do whatever they want to do. And without any regard for how it might affect other people then whenever you throw like racism on top of that um because white culture is just so individualistic and it's just so kind of like you know let me just do my thing and and you know people are like okay let's care about others but it's done in a in a way that still is very is very individualistic and so what i realized is that me just sitting here and i don't know being like the negro whisperer for people like that that wasn't helping. I mean, it was helping in some ways because it. it I think it, it legitimately people just don't know and they're ignorant. Sometimes whenever they whenever they you know the cure to ignorance is knowledge, and so if you can you you can cure people's ignorance. But it was more. But I realized that that like there's more to it than that. That I can sit here and cure people's ignorance with knowledge, but people are like actually choosing to still be just stupid at that point it's like it's not it's not ignorance it's not i don't know anything it's just stupidity and that like i am just going to choose to be the way that i want to be and so i realized like no i've got to push back against this and so i've started in this 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 work of and it really is is work i started in this work of speaking out against racism. And so in the next segment, I'm going to talk about that more and talk about what this podcast is and why we're here. Of 
the secret origins of Ali Henny, or I guess the not so secret origins and the not very interesting or anything origins, but we still shared about it. And so now I'm going to talk a little bit more about why I'm in race work and talk about what this podcast is and what this podcast is for and what I hope for it to be. So I entered into race work. I mean, I've always spoken about racism. I've always been involved in in, in race issues and in the issue of race, um, just by virtue of my of my upbringing. But being involved in race work and doing it in a concerted effort, it started for me in 2014. Um, at that point, the, during the first during the Ferguson uprising, my oldest was an infant, and as I saw. Ferguson, as I saw all that happening. And for me, I was living in Virginia at the time. So this was all, but it hit close to home because it was in, it was in Missouri. And so it, so it very much hit close to home and seeing just the ugly response from white people about this issue on Ferguson and seeing the ugly response, even from Christian white people, from people who I had gone to church with and whose kids I had pastored and just this ugliness that arose it's like it, it bubbled up to the surface it bubbled up to the surface every person's internalized racism just bubbled up to the every i mean it was always under the surface anyway like whenever i really you know think about and process the past but it just really came to fruition and came out in a way that was disturbing and that was hurtful and it was all sorts of different things and as I sat there with my infant and holding my infant and realizing that one day she was going to grow up and she was going to read about the things that we were watching live on TV happen, that she was going to have questions because she would probably, if she was anything like me, see the year and do the math and realize, you know, that, that oh, 2014, that was the year I was born and do the math and figure out how old I was and figure out how old her dad was and realize that we were alive and we were adults then and that they would wonder and that my grandchildren even would wonder, well, you were alive back then. What did you do? You were alive during this new civil rights movement. What did you do? What were you part of? Like, did you, did you demonstrate? Did you march? Like, what did you do? And I realized I couldn't tell my kids that I didn't do anything. I realized I couldn't tell my kids. I couldn't tell my grandchildren that I just had existed during this time and had just sat back in this bubble of neutrality and just sort of let all these things pass me by and, and happen and I was just going to be happy and 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 just going to kind of smile and and push and, and push into whiteness and, and assimilate. I just realized I couldn't do that. And so I started speaking out on my on my personal Facebook page and I started posting about race and I started talking about it to much in a much more concerted way than I had in the past because I definitely had always that had always been a perennial topic um, in my in my Facebook feed. But I I dug into talking about it in a concerted way and just went at it. And I had a lot of controversy, a lot of people, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of people unfollow me, a lot of people defriend me. It, it mean, it's caused tension in personal relationships, but I, I am insistent on building a better world for, for my children. And so that's what I've done. And so as this has sort of snowballed, I had done a couple of public events had had done some things. I realized it would probably be good for me to have a Facebook page. And so I created a Facebook page created a writer's page and just thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my thoughts and stuff here and with Facebook pages you have to engage with them you have to you have to keep post, posting stuff so that pe it keeps popping up in people's feed and and if it's relevant to people they keep engaging with it and so before I knew it I 
started my Facebook page. And then within six months, I had 10,000 people. And within a year, I had 20,000 people that like my Facebook page. And so this is snowballed into this opportunity. And and one of the things that opened up this opportunity was was a post or a tweet rather even that I had um, that that went viral, went a little bit viral. Maybe you saw it. Maybe that's why you started following me. Um, it, was a, it was a tweet about about um, the about the president, about people not believing believing the president, but then um, not believing black people whenever they experienced racism. And if you follow me on Twitter, you can see it as my pin post. And I've had a few other posts that that have gotten a lot of traction since then. But I just I realized that like I I needed to speak about this, and I felt compelled to speak about this issue. And so as I felt compelled to speak about this issue, that's what I've done. And so this podcast exists out, out of that. Um, I, after I had my tweet go viral, um, I, I contacted my friends at The Witness and they had me on. Um, my friends at The Witness, actually, let me rephrase that. They contacted me about being on their podcast. But I contacted them because I, I had thrown out the, I had floated the idea to them of potentially doing a podcast and seeing if they, I, I had another idea for a podcast. And they were like, okay, well, you know, let's see. And so I, 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 uh, did an interview on Pass the Mic, and then they invited me to do a podcast, invited me to become part of their team, and it's sort of, I guess, as they say, the rest is history. But I'm, but I'm here because I want to make the world a better place, and I want to make the better world a better make the world a better place for my children. And so that's why I'm here. And so this podcast, that's why this podcast is here. But this podcast is more than just teaching people about racism. This podcast isn't here to teach in the sense that I'm not here to, I don't want to say this very carefully, but my, like, I want for the majority culture, but the, the, the white audience, the, the people in my audience who are white, I want you to gain from this and to benefit from this, but I'm not creating this for you. Um, I hope that you benefit from it. I'm creating this for black women who are in places, they're in places and spaces, whether it be work, whether it be their place of worship, whether it be their neighborhood, whatever it is, wherever they're at, because no matter how black you are and how much entrenched in blackness you can be, you're always going to be a minority in some space. I, I think, I mean, I, I think it's hard in this point, in this point in time to really be in, in spaces that are that are black no matter no matter what and so like i feel like that that for 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 y'all for for black women there needs to be a place that is safe where somebody can speak to your existence and that's what i'm here is is to speak to to you in your existence but then also allow you to speak through me and so and, and in you speaking through me you have something that gives you language that empowers you to go out and make a difference in your sphere that's why I'm here. I'm not here. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this work for myself because I I want to overcome. You know, there's a there's a verse in the Bible that talks about how we overcome by our testimony, and I'll get to why I quoted the Bible here in a second. Um, but I I want to overcome the 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 enemy, the 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 thing, the the enemy of white supremacy. I want to overcome that, and so I see that that the, the vehicle for that is by telling the truth, by by living in my truth. My, my lowercase t truth, living in that truth and speaking to that truth and and doing that and and hoping to just to, to elevate and empower black women in your and, and hopefully I hope that as you listen to I hope that as you listen to this podcast that you feel empowered to speak truth and that you feel 
empower, that I'm giving you languages and I'm helping you to name your experiences. Because that's what, that's one of the things that has been the most beneficial to me. The most beneficial to me in doing this work has been whenever somebody has said, this is what your experience has been. And somebody names that for you. And so that's what I hope to do. And it's not to speak for you, not to speak over you, but to say like, black woman, I see you. (laughs) I see you and you are wonderful and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I see you and hear you and know your experience. And so I'm out here. And so if you're able to share my podcast, if you're able to share episodes with people in your world and it helps change your world, then that's then then that's awesome because that's why I'm here. And so if you're a white ally who's listening to this, you're listening to this. I'm hoping that you hear what I'm saying, even though I'm speaking to these black women out here. I hope that you hear what I'm saying and that you take something away that you're able to go and that you're able to work on yourself and that you're able to work on the world around you. And so just to note, as I as I close here about my ethics and about my worldview. I'm a Christian minister and Christian Christianity doesn't really have a very good name in America right now because there's a lot of people giving uh, Christianity a bad name. Um, and really, I mean, I guess Christians have always given ourselves a bad name at different points in history, but that's a different point. This is not a preaching podcast. And I've talked about being in, in seminary, and I, and, I, and I quoted a scripture, you may, not, may or may not have realized that, that I quoted a scripture um, a few minutes ago. And that's what, inform, what informs my, my worldview. And I don't apologize for that. And I, but I realize that not everybody who listens to my podcast is a Christian or really wants to have anything to do with Christianity, or you might be a person of another faith. And so I definitely respect that. And so this isn't a preaching podcast. This isn't something that I'm going to open up the Bible and give you a Bible study every week. You know, I know I, I always kind of hesitate whenever I tell people that I'm a minister or tell people that you know, I'm in school to learn how to become a minister. Um, I, I always like hesitate to, th- to say that, not because I'm ashamed, but because it often kind of changes the dynamic with people. But I'm here and I, and that's what my, what my worldview is. But I'm, like I said, this isn't a preaching podcast. This isn't a Christian podcast where I'm going to sit here and tell you how much you need to be saved. I'm not trying to get you saved. Um, at least not get you saved in terms of like joining Christianity, because what you do with your spiritual life, you have the agency to make that decision. I'm here to get you saved from white supremacy. I'm here to help that. Um, so I guess if I'm evangelizing or preaching anything, it's that um, white supremacy is bad. But the reason why I say that, the reason that the source, my source, is the teachings of Jesus Christ, and it's my Christian worldview and ethics. And so there'll be times whenever that comes out. And so um, I hope that you are able, that even as you listen to that, that you don't feel like you're preached to and you don't feel like that somebody is trying to convert you to their religion, but that you are able to even see a different expression of Christianity and that and that maybe you would be able to, even if you don't want to become a Christian, you would, you would have a more favorable view of at least some of us. And so that's why I'm here. And that's what this podcast, what I hope to do with it. And I hope that you will continue to listen. See you later. Combing the Roots is powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. Special thanks to executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York. Catch up with what I'm doing on these internet streets by visiting AllieHenny.com. There you'll be able to connect to my Twitter feed, my Instagram, and my Facebook writers page. I'm your host, Allie Henny. Peace.